All right, are we all ready? Now I gotta remember what I say. <laughs> Hi, this is Wendy Berry. Uh, welcome to HR Wonder Women with Wendy and Ann, and enjoy the show tonight. Welcome to HR Wonder Women, uh, episode six. Ann Tompkinson and Wendy are talking with Wendy Berry. It is the Wendy Squared episode, and I'm so excited to welcome Wendy to the show tonight. Um, so we hope you've listened to the episode where Ann and I discuss um, this new focus we're going to put on the show. Um, there's been a running theme of stories and how stories are so important. We've heard it in every episode. And so we want to start focusing on the stories of women in HR who are traditionally underrepresented. What are their struggles in the workplace and what are their suggestions for how HR can build equity and affect change? So want to give you a heads up that we're going to ask some questions that might seem rude because a lot of us grew up in a time when we were taught you had to be colorblind and you weren't supposed to ask these types of questions. And of course, we are in HR where we need to treat everyone, quote, equally, regardless. But equal isn't the same as equitable. And we need to have these conversations put in the open and stop being uncomfortable with these topics. We need to work to provide for everyone's needs, everyone's work-life balance, regardless of that, what they need or want, and have a safe place for everyone to work. So one of the things we're going to start doing is asking our guests to self-identify so that we can you talk with them how they prefer to be referred to, the pronouns that they prefer, um, just to help keep the conversation a lot more comfortable. So I'm Wendy. I identify as female, and my pronouns are she and her. Hi, Anne. How about you? Hi, Wendy. Um, Wendy won. I'm not sure how we're gonna. Do, I'm not sure how we're gonna do this this evening. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only one. And sorry about that. I am looking for some information. Um, not how I identify. I actually do that. Um, I I identify as female. My pronouns are she and her. And now I am going to introduce you to. Um, also, Wendy won. Nobody should be number two in this, in this episode. The, the other side of Wendy squared. Um, I am excited to introduce our guest tonight, Wendy Berry. Wendy is the Director of Human Resources at Big R Stores, a farm outdoors and home retailer in the Midwest. She's been in HR for over 10 years, and Wendy is also a newly elected city council member in West St. Paul, Minnesota, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Wendy, tell us how you identify and what your pronouns are. Sure. I also identify as female and use uh, the she, her, and hers pronouns. And I love that you guys are asking that. It's great. <laughs> awesome. So Wendy, you have two sons and they Maybe. are adorable and hilarious. <laughs> love your stories there. Yeah. Especially big Hank. He is, he's my favorite. He's <laughs> so round and squishable. Big. <laughs> <laughs> and your wife was the one who gave birth. So let's talk about FMLA, uh, especially as a woman who is LGBT, um, getting parental leave when you're not the birth parent. Yeah, um, those guys are adorable and hilarious and all those other things that you don't write about on social media. Um, <laughs> so when our first son was born, it was 2014, and I only had a couple weeks of PTO and had to go back to work almost right after uh, my wife gave birth because she was in the hospital for a while. And after that, um, you know, she wound up dealing with about a year or so of really deep postpartum depression. 
and our second son was born in 2018. But in between that, I was working with a company that was implementing um, paid parental leave. And as we started doing that, as part of a two-mom family, the vernacular was killing me. It was, hey, let's give dad's time off, or paid paternal leave is going to be so great, or, uh, you know, starting the day the baby is born. So really focusing on what your typical general mom and dad have a baby type situation. And don't get me wrong, uh, you know, that's great too. And it's also not as inclusive um, as it should be. So there's that whole um, whole vernacular thing where eventually we ran into the the correct version of it's a 12-week parental leave for parents that were giving birth or adopting. And so just those certain words made it a whole lot more inclusive. And um, it was just a game changer when I was able to stay home with my wife, even though I didn't have the baby, um, just to adjust to that dynamic and, and not have to worry about, am I going to get paid? Am I going to run out of PTO? And are my benefits going to go paid for? All those sorts of things. So um, I can make a list of 4 billion other reasons um, why it's just a win-win-win situation for everyone. But you guys probably know that. No, that's awesome. And I think it, it just goes back to wor- the words are so impor- important, the words that we choose to use um, when writing policies, when writing um, guidelines or anything like that, being sure that we're using those, that inclusive language. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, it goes beyond even just when we're writing policy, right? It's just in our everyday speech. If you just think about the assumptions that people make and how inclusive or not inclusive our language is you know I think sometimes it's almost easier when you sit down to write a policy like oh there's weight to this let me be careful about what words I'm using but when you're just talking to people if you're always talking about paternity leave and maternity leave and you're never talking about paternal leave you're excluding a whole bunch of people you know like it's great when you sit down to write the policy but I think we need to be thinking about it this is something we talked about with Tamara last month is just the importance of the way you're using words all the time and um, I come from a a linguistics background where um, we learn about how the words that you use shape the way that you think so when you're careful Mm. about the words that you use you actually start to think differently and it so it's not just like oh the words we use show the way we're thinking but when we're intentional about the words we use, it can change the way we think so that we actually start thinking more inclusively. Thinking about that a little bit, that's not, this isn't a great segue to the next question, but you were <laughs> recently elected to the West St. Paul City Council. And I remember reading some on Twitter about um, you were thinking about running and maybe you were gonna run, uh, but tell us a little bit about, uh, like tell us the story. So tell us what prompted you to run, what the campaign was like, and then talk a little bit about your HR background and what that brought to the campaign and even you thinking about the role and then just thinking about intersectionality, all of the other various expressions of your identity. How do they impact your role on the council? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, great many questions. <laughs> you know, the reason that I, it was about a year ago, I guess, probably this time last year when I started thinking about it, our city council has historically been male. Um, I there have been only five women that have served on city council in 128 years. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we've had more mayors named Dave than we have women on our city council, which I mean, I know Dave is a popular name, but it just kind of goes into, you know, that's, that's how infrequent it is. So that was part of the reason. And then um, another part of the reason was just watching the dynamics between the city council members and the mayor who happened to be female uh, for the last couple of years. And it was, I mean, it was embarrassing and it was, um, it was appalling. And it was like, we really voted for these people and this is how they think it's okay to talk to other people because you know, in HR, you don't talk to people like crap without some type of repercussion. And these guys just weren't having any of it. And so I was like, you know what, I'm 
to throw my hat in the ring. And uh, I had no idea what would happen, but I had actually um, talked to the mayor uh, for a few hours before I actually filed. And, and I said, you know, asked a lot of questions, that sort of thing. And she goes, what happens if you don't win? And I was like, I don't really care. I mean, it's not going to change who I am as an individual. And I think it'll actually, it would still have been good because people still could have seen, hey, you know, I can, I can run for city council too. So I was like, you know, if I lose, it's cool. But, uh, but then I filed and then I started talking to people and I was like, no, I, I can't lose this. Um, but, uh, but it was good. And so when I filed, there was a lot of, um, you know, still a lot of that continued sexism going on. And um, I don't, I mean, I can talk about this a lot. And, uh, you know, a lot of females that were supporting my campaign um, and had been outspoken about the type of sexism people were experiencing um, from some of these city council members, they were finding, uh, you know, screws in our tires. And it was, it was pretty, it was pretty insane. Um, and that's not really the right word. It was pretty, um, uh, you know, a little scary and a little uncomfortable and a little really weird. And so there was a lot of that going on. And, uh, you know, our town is about 20,000 people and we were like in, um, in um, Teen Vogue and in NPR and all these local news outlets and everything like that. And that's not one of the things you really want your city to be known for. Uh, but we were, and uh, that's fine. And so, you know, the election came out, and I there was a primary, and I beat uh, I beat a guy that's been the mayor in the past and on city council a couple times, um, and it was a really good feeling. And uh, so I was ended up being the sixth female that had been elected to our city council. And from what I've told, I'm also the first um, out LGBT person to serve on the council as well. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, I mean, I've already I've only been sworn in for a couple of weeks, um, and I've already interviewed candidates for an open council seat. Um, tore apart a code of conduct policy that a lot of people really hated and kind of <laughs> added, uh, added some things back. And I, it was really easy to just relate with people uh, on the campaign trail, wherever it was. Um, there were a lot of people, you know, asked what I did and I told them and I had to explain to them that HR wasn't always bad. And, uh, <laughs> and that was a lot of conversation, um, but it was good. I'm thinking hopefully the people of West St. Paul think a little bit better about HR people and, um, it's just that relating with different people and understanding that everyone comes from a different spot and that sort of thing that I, that I think could cross over kind of a good mix between the two. That's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious and I know this wasn't in the, the questions, but how has your employer been with you um, becoming a city council member? So um, I'm on my third employer since I filed. <laughs> Um, huh. not by plan, <laughs> not by plan, but, um, but the current one now that I'm on city council, uh, is extremely supportive. Um, and, uh, actually from West St. Paul and actually funny, funny enough, a lot of the people that, that I work with are also from the town. So it's, uh, very flexible and very supportive and very understanding when, you know, when things come up. So it's, it's very nice to have that. Uh, that's nice to hear about an employer who is supportive of um, of someone being active civically. It, it is important, and it's one of those things that I've talked with my girls a lot about um, in the past two years about how you know really it's the local politics that are more important, mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately those are the ones we pay the least attention to. So um, we've been paying more attention to what's going on yeah. in our town, and so I think that's I, I love it, Wendy, and I love that you're bringing that focus to to your town it's it's a say you know i think a lot of people anytime a national political situation hurts them in any way they they feel resigned and they feel like they can't do anything and i was in that camp too but i think when you see there are things you're going on, on your local level i mean who does watch the city council meetings on 
public broadcast. Not a lot of people. Um, no. But when you do and you see it happening, you're like, that's ridiculous. People shouldn't talk to each other that way. Or I'm super passionate about this, um, you know, sidewalks in our city. And those are, way, those are things that you can fix at your level. And it starts, it starts there. So um, I'm excited for the next four years to see what happens. And I use that word a lot when talking about it. And I'm sure people are saying like, okay, Jesse Spano, we get it. You're so excited. But, um, but I am. I'm just kind of excited to see what happens and, and what we can do and that sort of thing. So uh, it'll be a good time. Yeah. Uh, we're, yeah. I'm looking forward to watching you, quite honestly. Um, well, I can give you the live stream so you can watch it every two weeks. <laughs> How's that stuff? We could start live tweeting it for you. That might make it more fun. <laughs> they, they do. There's like a live on um, the Facebook, the city Facebook group will watch it and they'll have like running comments and it's hilarious after and you go back and read it all. So I've, I've oh, done that a few times people are, people uh, here. are engaged yeah. around here it's really great that's good I, I've seen that locally here too so it's kind of fun <laughs> it is it, it is it's especially good that people are really engaged and are so positive after all of the horrendous stuff that you went through during the campaign mm -hmm. it's I was listening to you talk about like the the screws and the tires and everything and I'm thinking in 2018 like really like this this is this is where we are um, yeah, because because oh, a woman is running for city council, <laughs> like it it is um, horrifying and sadly less shocking than it should be. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was uh, it was it was like really this is really actually happening, and it was. And um, you know, one thing instead of um, well, I mean, it was still happening. There wasn't any way I was going to stop it. But uh, I worked with a local garage and then a, a bus mechanic, actually, who lives near us. And we put together a couple of tire changing clinics so women could come in and see how to change their tires when they would walk out and there's a screw in their tires. So um, it, was, it felt really good to turn that crappy situation into something that was empowering people to be able to combat someone's childish behavior. So it, it was good to do that. Yeah, I love it. Uh, that, that was such a great story. Yeah. And I, you know, applaud your courage in just continuing to run and not letting that stop you. We were, yeah. we were talking before the recording started and I don't know if I'm allowed to say badass on the there were a couple recording, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, just, it just... but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that was badass that you just kept going and said, I, you know, this, this um, stuff isn't going to stop me as yeah. scary as it truly is. Well, that's great. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to do a, a, a segue here of you did not throw away your shot um, because mm, you are yeah right okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice yes didn't throw away your shot um, you have talked on your blog and I've seen you posted on Twitter and stuff that you are obsessed with Hamilton um, we could have a, a Wendy Squared uh, duet going on because uh, my daughter <laughs> and I listen. Went to it, loved it. We've been obsessed with it, um, singing all the songs. Um, my daughter's actually getting good at some of the raps, which is kind of awesome. Um, but and it's but it's just not us. This is a show that has just resonated and taken off with so many different people. So why is why is the show hitting you? Why do you think it's hitting you in this way, and you know maybe hitting others that way too? Yeah, I mean I don't know. For me. Uh... I mean, I had some friends that actually saw it on Broadway. Um, I did not. I saw it in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, which is close. Um, and it, I'm always late to jump on these bandwagons. And so I think part of it was kind of the, the timing of just some life things going on. Um, and uh, 
it, it was weird. I mean, it's, it's the lyrics that I'm obsessed with, of course. Um, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda writes these completely relevant musicals about, you know, this guy that's on a $10 bill. And I know history people are so mad at me right now for choosing that to describe Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> um, but they're just like little snippets of lyrics that I play in my head over and over with so many situations. Um, of course, Wendy, you, um, you know, during this whole election, that was every single time some super annoying thing would happen like I would find a <laughs> screw in my tire or my favorite was like a bunch there were like three random master locks thrown in my yard what the hell is that but um I was like okay and I would just have to remind me remind myself that you know I wasn't gonna throw away the shot that I could have to actually fix things um and then I you know I had this this new job opportunity um, open up where I'm at now and uh when the when the person reached out to me and said hey I want to talk to you about this I thought about it. I'm like nope this is a shot I don't want to throw away um, because it's worth exploring. It's something that gets me excited. Um, so I just, I think about that a lot and it's so weird. I've never wanted one to be like, Oh, I, I love these lyrics from Def Leppard and I'm just going to, you know, listen to them all the time. Or something. <laughs> but, um, but I don't know, it's just so different. And like, I don't, you guys have kids. So if you, if you listen to the lyrics of Theodosia, some of them aren't applicable because you know, you're not in a war, but you can think about your kids and just think about those lyrics and the way our country is kind of falling apart right now and, and try not to get a little emotional about it. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of different ones like that, that, um, that are, that are really, uh, they're really cool. And then I also, if you listen to Hamilton mixtape, it's like where yes. Linda oh. will reach out to all these people and they're like, they're super amazing. And so I listen, we have, I have the CDs in my car, but my wife has the fancy <laughs> MP3 player in hers. So, um, so we listen to them a lot. And, uh, we kind of trick our four-year-old into thinking it's Moana every once in a while because he kind of, you know, <laughs> like, no, it's Moana, listen. But, you know, not every time. <laughs> sure, similar, same. No, yeah, right, Moana, right. Yeah, yeah, Moana no. Manuel. You same know. lyrics, same lyrics. He wrote, he wrote Moana, did you know that? He did, yeah. Yeah, yeah Which, yeah. I mean, that's why, yeah, we, when I told Maggie that, uh, that he had written um, Moana, she was like, Really? let's watch that again. <laughs> right. Right. So it's, yeah, I think there's so many, yeah, he, he has done a great job of making that story relevant to today, which it, it is even without him helping. Um, but like you said, there's so many times that, that lyrics start going through your head and, um, and it's so fitting for that very moment. He's got something for everything. And like right mm -hmm. before vacation, um, you know, the whole story of the whole song where um, Eliza's singing to him to run away with us for the summer. It's like, yeah, vacation time. Let's go. Or somebody's going to get cheated on. <laughs> right. Is that what you told your family? I don't know. No, not quite. But <laughs> Maggie and I were talking about it and I was like, well, I mean, look at, look at what happened. He didn't go away with his family and he got tempted um so she was just kind of like whoa mom that's kind of deep and I was like oh it's kind of life <laughs> but no and I, I you know, sometimes I, I think about the shootout scene I'm like who, who would be my second right <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna go with me to my duel <laughs> Right, right, it's, it's, right. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know these things. Right. Um, <laughs> like, how do you, I mean, how do I, how do you identify who are your closest friends? Like, who would be there? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Again, I have no good segue from this. <laughs> cool. Um, so the reason that Wendy and I are doing this podcast is because we want to amplify the voices of women in HR 
um, who are are otherwise in other underrepresented groups. So we want people to be able to tell their stories. We know that narrative storytelling is what builds empathy. And so the idea is we don't want this to be just another HR where we just talk HR the whole time. And yet it is still an HR <laughs> podcast. And so we don't want to ignore um, our role in human resources. And so you've talked a little bit, you know, you talked about um, parental leave versus maternity or, or paternity leave and that kind of thing. So talk to us just a little bit from your own story. And, and I will, you know, also say that we're not, we don't want to put weight on any of our guests. So like you are not speaking on behalf of LGBT women everywhere, right? You are speaking on behalf of right. you, Wendy Berry, but tell us how you um, could see HR supporting um, you, uh, you know, our, how, how HR could support our LGBT colleagues, and then also how we can be supporting our LGBT employees um, in, in better ways than maybe we're doing right now. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I think acknowledging, uh, acknowledging us and inviting us, and what that means is like, we talk about diversity, and I love diversity. I mean, I'm pro-diversity. I don't know how you cannot be, but um, I think sometimes different, different pieces of diversity get, get um, maybe not included, um, so I think it's like invite us to do, to do these things, to make these policies, to make these improvements and acknowledge that and, you know, teach other HR practitioners to acknowledge and accept, um, you know, LGBTQ people into the fold. Um, as a community, we're lucky because a lot of us can hide the fact that we fall into one of those letters enough to get by when we feel like it's not safe or we feel like we're not wanted or appreciated. And it's terrible that people still think they should do that, but we do. I mean, I, I know so many people that aren't comfortable with being out at work. Um, I've only been out at work for the past 11 years or so, and I've never encountered a problem. I think, I don't know, I don't know why I'm fortunate, I would imagine. And I've also had supportive employers, um, but I know not everyone is that lucky. Um, so it's fostering some type of environment, environment where people don't have to hide who they are, I think is the biggest thing. And I don't think there's one quick, easy solution to that. Um, but kind of like we mentioned earlier, being careful with those pronouns, um, you know, use they in policies for job postings if you really think you need a pronoun. I mean, there's no more, you know, not everyone identifies as he or she, you know, people use they mm -hmm. and, and people shouldn't be turned off by that if they're reading a job description that talks about he and she or he or she or, or whatever. Um, and don't wait for someone from the LGBTQ community to tell you how to fix something if you can. I mean, um, like a gender inclusive bathroom, why not just have one of those? Um, or a dress code that says something like, um, all women need to wear nylons and men must wear ties. I mean, no one does that anyway, but to tell people <laughs> that they think they should. Um, it's just one of those things that can be looked at in, in five minutes or, or changed in five minutes. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take hiring some sort of attorney or policy writer or anything like that to, to make those tidy changes. And I think those not only, you know, help HR practitioners, but they just encourage employees to feel like they can live who they are at work too, without being like, oh, that person is always going into the handicapped restroom because it's for men and women instead of, oh, hey, we're just going to the bathroom instead of making a big deal about it. I mean, it's just tiny things that you can remove from people's life that, that will make it better for them. It Thank always amazes, yeah. It always amazes me at how, how many people are paying attention where others are going to the bathroom. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Why do you care? I I don't care. 
need to worry about that. Ah. No. no. Worry about important things. So, well, Wendy, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of the HR Social Hour um, podcast, and that is the question connection. Yeah. So here on the HR Wonder Women, we have our own special female twist to it. Um, but our first question always is about networking because that's why we're here. We do this to uh, help people get to know other HR professionals throughout the world. Um, and so we want to know how has networking helped you in your career and what's been really effective for you? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't until I really started digging in deep on HR and so in social media that I finally felt like I found HR folks that are in it for the people side of things and not just the policy side of things. Um, I feel like it only barely scratched the surface of that locally. And part of that's on me for not getting super involved in our local chapters. But anytime I did, I was like, wow, all these people look and act the same and I'm not interested. Um, so to find it on a national scene, it's, it's been really great to be able to connect from people, you know, all over and all different backgrounds and all different populations to learn how things are done. It's helped me realize that the way I see HR with so much motivation towards making people, making sure people feel good or they're engaged in their work or they want to do their work um, is the right way to see it. So I've met amazing people and gained perspective that I, you know, never would have gotten without, you know, without social media. Um, and that's kind of my favorite type of networking. Um, I don't really like, Wendy, can I tell the story about how we met? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't really. And so had I not met Wendy before this via Twitter, it would have been even weirder. Um, we were in a bathroom washing our hands, so it was totally hygienic. Um, <laughs> uh, at, uh, at at disrupt uh, the, the first disrupt thing in Minneapolis, and Wendy was at the thing, and she said Wendy, and I was like Wendy, and it was really <laughs> weird, but um, but it was cool. But I mean, that's kind of how I feel like real like in person networking is. It's super awkward, and and you feel like you have to talk to people when you're washing your hands in the bathroom. Um, so I'm not a super fan of that. And so I love that social media kind of makes those connections before you run into strangers in a public restroom. <laughs> <laughs> that is like the tagline for social media. Right? It really right? is. <laughs> it really is. Make connections before you run into strangers in a public restroom. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so when you tell us uh, some women that you read or follow for professional insights. Yeah, so many. I read this question when he sent it out and I was like, oh man, it's like an Oscar speech where you don't want to leave anyone's name out. <laughs> um, right. But uh, I follow a lot of people and I just, I gained so much insight from, from just who they are and how they do things. Um, I really, really love Lori Rudiman. Um, she's like my favorite and I met her two years ago at Sherm and she came up and talked to me. I was like, oh my God, you know who I am? And it was like the coolest thing ever. And I tried to be super chill about it. Um, but I also, uh, you know, really love Jennifer McClure. Um, I really love Kat Cole. I've watched her speak a couple times. And anytime she even like likes something on LinkedIn, I'm like, oh my God, I have to read this. I'm sure it's great. Um, but I also um, I love Kate, uh, Katrina Kibben and uh, Kate Bischoff and Sarah Morgan, um, Jasmine Wilkes, Tamara Asbury, all these people that I've connected with. Um, thanks to Twitter um, and you guys, of course. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on just with people that I'll have the most random conversations about personal things. And the next day I'll be like, how do you do this policy? And I think it just, it's just a great connection. I just love it for the professional side and the personal side too. All great folks. All great folks. What is your favorite movie that features a strong female cast? 
So I love a movie with a good heist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I totally probably shouldn't say this, but I totally want to be part of a heist one day. <laughs> um, so uh, don't let I your don't boss know, listen fine to, to say, this, right? Yeah. Um, all right, nah, she'd probably join me. It's fine. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, just, we, so I just think, don't let don't know, let the city council hear this. <laughs> well, that's true. They yeah. uh, they probably won't. They're not into this. Um, so uh, set it off is a good heist movie. They uh, they break into a bank and uh, Ocean's Eight. So like the female version of the Ocean's Eleven and Twelve and Thirteen, Fourteen, whatever they did um, with Sandra Bullock. Was oh, I want to see that. Jump right away. Those are heist movies with women. Um, yeah, and so Ocean's 8 is also the only movie I've seen in a theater for three years. Um, <laughs> Children, that's what happened. Yeah. It'll change. Yeah, It'll yep. Change. Yep. it will. It will. Um, those sound good. I also um, am a sucker for a good heist movie. Uh, what about your favorite female musician or band? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a hard one for me. Um, I know I really like Pink. I really like Missy Elliott. And I really like Dessa, who's a local hip-hop artist from the Minneapolis area. Um, and they all kind of have their own different spin on things. And it just kind of in the rotation of when I need to, like, roll the windows down and crank out some music or something. Uh, how about a favorite female protagonist in a book or fictional female character? I had a hard time with that one because I read mainly nonfiction. And the fiction I do read is really terrible. Um, <laughs> so I don't I don't know I couldn't think of one I was gonna try to come up with one my wife was like you should say like Harriet the Spy and I'm like I never read Harriet the Spy so I <laughs> can't um I have no answer for that one unfortunately no well how about a, a fictional female character the, the kind of putting you on the like, spot yeah, like totally not not just on a book not just um in a book but um in a tv show movie yeah, so uh, uh, I love Olivia Benson from Law & Order SVU because oh, yeah. she's badass. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that she's a good one. Yeah. And, you know, she also, I, I'm not going to try and say her name because I'm going to butcher it. I can't remember it. But she is also very um, involved in her personal life in helping um, sexual assault victims. I love that. Which, I love it. Which I think she got into through the show. That's just awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So this this question may sound bananas because you have a job and you have two young <laughs> children and you're on the city council. But what else do you like to do, Wendy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, there's the whole uh, whole smashing the patriarchy thing. That's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and our four-year-old is—he's uh, starting to get into activities. We're in soccer now, which is really just a bunch of kids running around in circles. Um, and he does like a running thing in the summer, so I'm totally into that like parenting running thing, which is cool. I love it. Um, I love traveling. We haven't done it as much as of late, again with the kids' things, but uh, it's a lot of play dates and trips to the zoo and reruns of Paw Patrol in our lives right now, and uh, it's good and it's temporary. Um, so yeah, a lot of it revolves around those dudes right now, but it's great. That's just awesome. Uh, I love watching you with your, watching what you share on your, about your kids, um, as well as the rest of your life. It's just, yeah, it's temporary. It's a short time to have to right, watch Paw Patrol. Right. Um, yeah, it won't be long and you'll be going, but what about Let's these? Let's watch Paw Patrol. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, mom. 
Yeah, the eye rolls, they're awesome. Mm -hmm. I love <laughs> well, it, can't wait. Yes. Well, Wendy, you have survived the question connection. You survived <laughs> the conversation like, like, you, like we didn't think that would happen. So, so excited to have had you on the show. But this is your opportunity to share how listeners can get in touch with you, um, how, you like to, uh, how you like to connect. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I was so happy when you guys asked me. I was like, what? And uh, <laughs> so I was super excited to be on here. So thank you. Um, my social media stuff is pretty tough to remember. Um, uh, my Twitter is just the Wendy Berry. It's T-H-E Wendy Berry. And uh, because Wendy Berry was taken by some realtor that never even uses it, but whatever. Um, so the <laughs> Wendy Berry. And, uh, and then I have, a, I have a website that I try to uh, post on regularly, but you know, it doesn't happen, but it's just wendyberry.com. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. How about you, Anne? So the best place to find me is Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Anne Tomk, A-N-N-E-T-O-M-K. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. You might be able to find me on Facebook. And I used to write a blog, but it's been so long that there's no <laughs> point in even mentioning it. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll write something again. If I do, you'll find it on Twitter. Awesome. For me, best place is my, on Twitter. I am Wendell93. Um, and a little plug, the fourth Sunday of each month, please join us there for the HR Social Hour half, uh, Twitter chat. We are the fourth Sunday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And we'll hope we'll see you there. Well, Wendy, um, thank you so much again for joining us tonight. This was a great conversation. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, catch up in person again soon. Maybe not in a public restroom but <laughs> get some good drinks again so uh, uh on behalf yeah so thank you guys um thank you ann again for joining me um and for the H for hr wonder women and the hr social hour this is wendy and i hope you all have a great evening we'll see you soon bye-bye